To overcome, you need to know what spiritual weapons you were given and how to use them. This message is the fourth in the series, I Will Overcome. The message is entitled, Use Your Tools. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Again, grab your Bibles. We're going to turn our attention to the Word of God this evening. And I want to continue our message series entitled, I Will Overcome. And I want to talk to us tonight about using our tools, using the tools in the overcoming process. I'm not sure about you. I've had a few conversations with a few people in the last several weeks that uh, uh, I think is very much where I've been as a part of this series. This series has been uh, rocking my world a bit. I'm not, about, I'm not sure about you, but, but God's been talking to me through this series of I Will Overcome in some wonderful ways and reminding me of some very valuable principles, and I hope that that's happening to you, and I believe that tonight will be one of those nights that will help you in this particular journey. And when Jesus called you into his kingdom, as we we're talking about in this series, he called you to a life of abundance. He called you to a more abundant life. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief, that's the devil, comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus wants you to experience a more abundant life. The challenge is not with Jesus, the challenge is with us. The challenge is that we often don't cooperate with Jesus in the way that re results in the abundance of life he actually has for us. And so what we're talking about in this series and in the broader series that we're doing actually over these nine months together is we're talking about what we need to do to step into that more life. What, what, what's our responsibility? We know that Jesus has done his part, but what is our part? And part of our part involves realizing that to actually experience the more life, we have to overcome some things. You can't experience more without overcoming some things that are holding you back. The Bible, in fact, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And all of us have places in our life where the devil over years and over time and over experiences has stolen from us, has killed certain things in us that should be alive and living and has destroyed our life in certain ways. But Jesus comes to actually do a work of restoring what the devil has stolen, resurrecting what the devil has killed, and rebuilding what the devil has destroyed. And when you and I open ourselves up to him, that's what happens. But there is this cooperative process. And part of that process, again, make, it involves making the choice to say, I will overcome these things that have been holding me back. And for every person in this place, there, there are points in your life right now that need to be broken for all of us that we can move forward in our journey and things that perhaps have held you back for a period of time that Jesus says, now it's time to put that behind you. Now it's time to go forward. Now it's time to leave the wilderness and get into your promised land. Amen? Now for this to happen, you got to fight. You can't overcome without a fight. And so to fight, you've got to understand something about spiritual warfare. You have to understand something about spiritual battle. And every time I mention the phrase spiritual warfare, some, some folks get kind of freaked out about that. What does that mean? It's kind of weird. It's kind of strange. No, it's not. It's all through the Bible. We see that the scriptures teach us the importance of learning how to fight at a spiritual level. And as a part of this, we must understand what our weapons are. What are the tools that God has given us to fight with? And so I'm going to share with you two basic things tonight that you need to understand about the weapons that God has given, the tools that you use that will allow you to be an overcomer. Number one, spiritual battles are won with spiritual weapons. Spiritual battles are won with spiritual weapons. To win a fight, you have to have greater power or ability than the enemy you're facing, right? That's just a common 
concept and of any fight. You gotta, if you're going to win the fight, you've got to have a greater strategy or greater powers, greater something than the enemy does to be able to overcome those powers, to overpower the power. And as I said, all of us have spiritual strongholds in our life, places where the enemy has a stronghold, maybe in a part of our personality and the way that we think and the way that we live our lives, maybe habits that we formed over time, maybe there are addictions that we have. By the way, addictions are not always to substance, they're all kind of addictions that people can have in life, things that hold you back and things that hold you down. And to overcome spiritual strongholds, you must have something beyond human power. Human power cannot conquer spiritual strongholds. In fact, Jesus is the only one who can actually break the power of the thief in your life. Jesus is the only one that can bring resurrection power to those things that the enemy has perhaps put to death in your life. Jesus is the only one who can give you a more abundant life. You can't find it outside of Jesus. Many of us have searched years trying to find some kind of satisfaction for life, and finally you discover that the one thing you were looking for was a relationship with Jesus. And your life changed when you invited Christ into your life. So Jesus is the one that breaks the power of anything destructive, anything evil, anything that is incarcerating your life. That was a great place for an amen. Not too late, sorry. Okay. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is the one who breaks the power of anything destructive, evil, incarcerating, or incapacitating in your life. Jesus is the one that does this. Amen. Oh, that was great. That was awesome. I wasn't even expecting it. That's fantastic. <laughs> Hebrews 2, 2, verse 14. Listen to this. Since the children, that's you and me, have flesh and blood, that's us, that's what we are, flesh and blood, he too, that's Jesus, shared in their humanity, in our humanity, so that by his death, would you read the rest with me? He might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. Did you get that? Listen to it again as I read it. Look at it on your notes. Look, 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 look what it says. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, that's Jesus, shared in their humanity. That is, he came to earth and he took on flesh. It's called the incarnation. The word becomes flesh, dwells among us. So he shared in our humanity so that by his death he might, what's that word there? Break, break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. That is a very clear statement. We're going to see some others tonight that help us to understand what Jesus came to do and what Jesus does for us. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But to engage in this, this victory that Jesus has already accomplished, we, we have to engage the fight as well. We have to utilize some weapons as a part of that process. Jesus has won the victory. We have to enforce the victory. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish... What have we been talking about recently? Strongholds. To demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And read the rest with me. We take captive every thought 
to make it obedient to Christ. So Paul writes here and says, when you fight this battle, don't fight it with human resources. You can't fight a spiritual battle with human resources. Spiritual weapons are required for spiritual warfare. And he says there, is a, there are, are, are weapons that have been given to us that are mighty in God for the casting down, the demolishing, the pulling down of these strongholds, and we have the ability then to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Paul also described this in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 13, as he's talking about the weapons that win spiritual battles, therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand. This He's acknowledging the devil is going to come after you at times. There will be a day of evil that will come. There are times that there's an attack that will come upon your life. And so the whole idea of having the right weapons is that when that day shows up in your life and in your world, you're ready for it. You're not taken uh, by surprise, okay? You may be able to stand your ground, not lose your ground, but stand your ground. And after you've done everything, what, what's the end result? You're still standing. Stand firm then, verse 14, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now this passage here that I just read deserves an entire series. There's no way, absolutely no way that I can touch the, the depth, the richness of what the Apostle Paul just gave us right there. I'm telling you, this is mass major stuff. So what I'm going to do, in, in, in the, in, for the sake of time and for the sake, sake of this series, is I'm going to, out of this and then out of other places in Scripture, utilizing the passage we looked at a couple of moments ago from 2 Corinthians chapter 10 as well, I'm going to lay out for you seven weapons that you have as a believer in Jesus Christ. The victory has already been won, but seven weapons that you need, seven tools that you better put in your hands because if you don't put these tools in your hand, I promise you, you're going to be taken by the adversary in some way. You know, I'm not talking about going to hell. I'm talking about having a limited life in some dimension. Because there is a thief who wants to steal and kill and destroy, right? Are you with me so far? So are you ready to learn about the seven weapons that every believer has? A weapon is no good unless you use it, right? So it's a tool, but you've got to use it. So number one, it's the weapon of Scripture. Scripture is a powerful force. The Word of God is powerful. Do you know that the Word of God is what created the world that we live in? God said, let there be light, and there was light. God spoke, and it came into existence. And so God's Word in and of itself has power. When Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by the devil, he faced that for 40 days. Do you know how Jesus overcame his great test in the wilderness? He knew the Word of God. He quoted the Word of God. You will find it in Matthew chapter 4. Three times he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Dear ones, there are many times when the adversary will come against you, he will do so with lies in your mind and heart. And the only thing that will drive a lie out is the truth. 
The only thing that will put a lie down and shut the mouth of a liar is to give them the truth, the absolute truth. And so the Word of God is truth. That's why you need to know the Word of God. You need to have that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God that you can use so that when the enemy comes your way, you can say, it is written. I'm not listening to a lie because I know the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. Number two is prayer. You've got to learn to be a passionate, persistent prayer person. You've got to pray your way through things. Some things are tough to pray through. Some things don't just go away like a quick little, now I lay me down to sleep prayer, okay? Sometimes you've got to get on your knees for days and sometimes for weeks and sometimes for months and sometimes for longer than that where you're actually praying your way through stuff where, where strongholds need to be broken but there has to be a persistence in that prayer that you're determined to say, I am going to pray my way through this because the scripture teaches us that there is, there is a tremendous power in prayer. The Apostle Paul talked about it in his own life in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 where he talked about how he was in a time in his life of great distress and great misery, but he talked about his own prayers and the prayers of other people that brought him deliverance. See, prayer will bring you through to deliverance. The third one is praise. You say, well, I know all these. Well, maybe you do, but you need to be reminded of them. Praise is, is, is when you verbalize and communicate in song or word to God Something that honors and magnifies the greatness of who he is. That's all praise is, along with the thanksgiving for that. So praise is focusing on God, magnifying him, acknowledging to God in some way with your lips, with your words, with your heart, with your life, in song, in spoken word. You're, you're communicating to God. The focus of praise is not people, it's the focus of praise is God. God, I'm honoring you and magnifying and glorifying you. And the Bible says that God is attracted to the praise of people. And every time there is the praise of God's people, the praise of an individual Christian, it attracts the presence of God. And where there is the presence of God, there will always be the power of God. You can't have the presence of God without also having the power of God. I could walk through numbers of illustrations in the Bible. The most familiar one is in Acts chapter 16, where Paul and Silas were in jail in Philippi. At midnight, they begin to pray and sing hymns to God. They begin to praise, and God came down, shook that place, and everybody was freed. The Philippian jailer accepted Christ, as well as his whole household, and a stronghold in Philippi was broken that night. Why? Because Paul and Silas praised God. So praise is important. Number four is fasting. A few weeks back, actually the first of the year, we had a time of fasting. Fasting is powerful. Fasting is laying something aside. Generally in Scripture, it's primarily related to food. But laying something aside, whether it be a meal or meals on a day for a sequence of days or for one day or whatever it might be, but whatever you are led or commit to do, that you lay something aside to say, God, I'm going to put this back. I'm going to put this on the back burner, so I'm going to give some extra time to you. So fasting is not just another way of dieting. Fasting is for a spiritual purpose. Fasting is for the sake of saying, I'm laying this aside so that I can instead seek God during this time. And the Bible says, actually, in Mark chapter 9, verse 29, in the Old King James Version, I love the way it renders this, and he said that to them, talking about a demon that he'd cast, Jesus said that he'd cast out of a man. He said, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. Sometimes you've got to fast your way through things. You do it in a 
in a healthy way, in a right way. And of course, if you have medical issues, you need to be aware of those kinds of things and take that under, under advisement from your doctor. But there's a fasting process that can break strongholds in your life. Number five is fellowship. There's great power in being with God's people. Far more power than we realize. One of these days, Lord willing, I want to do a study all the way from Genesis to Revelation on the, on the different gatherings of God's people. Just the word gather, when God called them to gather together. And the amazing things that would happen when God's people were gathered. So, all kind of stories in the Bible of the power of just simply gathering together as the people of God. And that's why I emphasize so strongly here at our church the importance of making the big decision in your life. That every weekend you're going to be in the house of God. You know, some people make the little decision of church attendance and some make the big decision. You know the difference? The little decision is they decide week by week. Do I feel like going to church this week? I don't know. Do you? I'm not sure. The big decision is I'm going to be at church at every weekend. So I don't even have to entertain the idea of whether I'm going to church or not. I've already made the decision, right? So if you've already made the decision, then it puts you in a position where you're not having to, to contemplate that every weekend. And there's Why? Because there's power in this. I can watch people in our church. And I've been watching this for a while. I've been here for almost 31 years now as the pastor of our church. I can watch people who come in and they get planted in the house of God and they just stick. They just stay and they show up at church and they get involved in studying the Bible or they go to a life group or get involved in a life studies class and they just stay with it. And I will tell you, that alone brings restoration to the lives of people. You look at them five years later, they're not the same person they were five years earlier. Why? Because the power of the word that you're hearing and the power of the fellowship of the people of God, again, you're in the presence of God and God's presence always breaks strongholds. Sometimes it's little by little, sometimes it's dramatic, but there's always a breaking of strongholds. Number six is through communion. Next weekend, we're going to share communion together. It's communion weekend. I want to talk to you about communion for a moment. I have some communion elements here because I, what I want you to do is to understand the power of this. I'm going to do my best to, this is our little uh, prepackaged communion, okay? So I'm going to talk to you about communion for a moment. When Jesus was with his disciples in the upper room, before he's going to be crucified, he gathered them together for the last supper. He broke bread with them and they shared a cup together and he said, this, this bread represents my body and this cup represents my blood and they shared it together there in the upper room right the apostle Paul later wrote about this and said each time that we partake of the bread and of the cup we do it in remembrance of Jesus say in remembrance okay. when you come to church and share in communion and different churches do communion different ways. We happen to do it here uh, monthly. And there's no, there's no determination in Scripture of exactly how often you're supposed to do it. But here we do it monthly. We'll do it on different occasions as well. We do it on Christmas Eve and Good, Good Friday and other time, special times during the year. We'll do communion. But it's not a ritual that you go through. Okay, It's not a ritual you go through. It's not about any power that's in this. You know, this is a piece of bread. It's going to always be a piece of bread. This is grape juice. We're teetotalers here, okay? Grape juice, okay. So it's always going to be grape juice, right? So it's a bread and grape juice. It's not in the power of the elements. It's the power of your faith and remembrance, okay? That's the difference, okay? 
So what I want you to do that when you partake of communion is to realize that what you're doing is not, this is just, these are just token symbols to help put you in a frame of mind to remind you that when Jesus Christ went to the cross, you should have been on that cross, but he took your place for you there so that you could have deliverance. Isn't that great? So when you're looking at this, this is my body broken for you. You're saying, Lord, when I eat of this, by faith, I'm recognizing that you did for me. You paid a price for me that I should have paid for myself. Okay. And now I am able to walk in liberty because of what you did for me. The cup represents the, the blood. The Bible says they overcame him. That's they overcame the enemy, the devil, by the blood of the lamb. Okay. Revelation chapter 12, I think it's verse 10. When you take the cup, what you're saying is, Jesus, I believe that your blood has cleansed me from all of my sins and washed me, and now I'm in right standing with you, not on the basis of anything that I have done, but on the basis of what you have done for me. And so now because I'm in right standing with you, I have access to all of your resources in life. Not because I'm perfect, but because Jesus is perfect and he has washed me with his blood. Isn't that great to know? Okay. So when you drink of the cup, you're declaring a remembrance of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. There is power when you approach it with faith. Amen? Amen. And so communion is an element, a dimension of life where we proclaim our victory. The last one is spiritual help. Spiritual help is teaming up with people that can help you. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. So again, it's the help that comes by the reinforcement of other people in your life. So positioning yourself for victory and Fighting your battles involves knowing your weapons and using them. Let's go to the second major point today. Because this one ties very clearly into the first. The second one is that overcomers are confident in the supreme overcomer. Thank you. I got one amen somewhere way back there. Thank you. One of the most important elements in a battle is confidence that a win is possible. Here's the challenge. Let me talk to you heart to heart for a little bit, okay? Everybody listen to me. Once you've written it down, look up this way, guys. I just want to have a little conversation with you. Here's the problem when you're dealing with strongholds in your life that you have right now, okay? Most of us have stuff that have bothered us for a long time, right? We've got issues in our heart, our personality, issues in our a habit that's really tri tri uh, tripped us up for a long time. We have things that have been around for a while that we've tried to conquer before Let's just be really honest. Any of you have something in your life that you've tried to conquer before, but you haven't yet quite been as successful as you'd like to be? Come on, raise your hand, okay? The rest of you have the problem of lying, okay? So, okay. Everybody does. Stuff that you don't have. So, so what's happened is, and this is where the devil plays on us, when we start to try to overcome again, he reminds us, well, you haven't ever kicked that thing in the past anyway. Who's the, you don't think you're going to do it now, do you? Anybody ever heard those words before? Come on, have you ever heard that before? Okay. I have. Well, what do you mean you're going to overcome? You tried that five years ago. It didn't work then. It's not going to work now. There's this lying voice of the adversary that wants to rip out of you confidence. See, the devil never gives you spiritual confidence. He steals confidence from you. Okay. 
He's always taking spiritual confidence away from you. So if he can remind you of your bad track record, he can keep you from taking further initiative in your life to address things that you need to address because he's reminding you, you never won in the past. Who thinks you're going to win now? I told the story somewhere recently. I think maybe it was at the Spanish campus that um, I can't remember exactly where it was. But when I was in junior high school, I was on the basketball team. Can you believe that? I was on the basketball team, junior high school. And so, uh, and I was, a, I was a starter, actually, amazing. That's how bad our team was. Okay? Had to have me on the team. So. But that season, we had 11 games, and we lost every one of them. We were 0-11 and 11 for the year. After about the fifth game, we didn't even expect to win. We had no anticipation. It's like, I guess we just have to sort of show up and see what happened. It was more like, are we, it wasn't, are we going to win? How badly are we going to be beaten? That was, that was basically it, okay? How badly are we going to be Now, come on, I need some pity here. But, you know, I'm still terribly psychologically scarred from that event in my life. But, uh, but I learned a little bit about the defeat mentality. The defeat mentality says, I've never conquered this before. I don't think I can conquer it now. I want to tell you something. I want to remind you something. Your past is not the prophecy for your future, okay? Amen, okay? Your past isn't the prophecy for your future, okay? If it were, all of us would quit and go home right now, wouldn't we, okay? We just give up right now. But until the day you die, you're going to go after what God wants you and I to do. Until the day we die, we keep going after every stronghold in our life every stronghold in our life. You you live like Caleb did when he was 85 years old. He was still looking for a mountain to conquer. He never quit. He never gave up. And so to do this, there's some things that we need to understand. God wants to put confidence in you that even though you may have failed in the past to conquer these things, this is now a new season for you. Let's go back to the, to the scriptures here and see what it says. I'm going to give you actually, I'm going to answer three questions for you that, uh, that will help you to have spiritual confidence. Number one, what has Jesus done for you? Remember this, it'll give you confidence. Colossians 2, 11 through 15. I'm going to read from the message paraphrase. Entering into this fullness is not something you figure out or achieve. Talking about the fullness of relationship with Christ. It's not a matter of being circumcised or keeping a long list of laws. No, you already, you're already in, insiders, not through some secretive initiative, right? But rather through what Christ has already gone through for you, destroying the power of sin. If it's an initiation ritual you, you're after, you've already been through it by submitting to baptism. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming up out of, the, out of it was a resurrection, God raising you from the dead as he did in Christ, or did Christ. When you, were stru- when you were stuck in your old sin, dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, that old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. And notice this. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. What the Bible says that Jesus did for you is that on the cross and through his resurrection, he has already dealt a death blow to the enemy. It's what Jesus has already done. I've told you this before. I'll remind you again. When you're going through a battle, it's not a matter of if God can win. God has already won, okay? Okay. 
We don't fight from a position of will we win. We fight from a position that the battle has already been won by what Jesus did on the cross. So that's what Jesus Christ has done for you. Now, based upon that, what should we do? What would be our response? Here's our response. 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verses 7 and 8. Be strong and courageous. Turn to your neighbor right beside you there and remind them, hey, it's time to be strong. Time to be courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria. Here's God speaking to the, to the king there of, of Judah. And the vast army with him, for there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained, what did they gain? Confidence. What do you need to win? you got to have some confidence. You're confident in what God has already done for you in Christ and confident about the fact that God is going to fight that battle for you as you engage the spiritual weapons. And then what will Jesus do for you? He's done it. What will he do now as you respond the right way? Hebrews 4, 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. With what? Confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. All I want to say to you tonight, because really in this series of messages, not about really giving you some fancy teachings, it's not about that, it's about really, I really felt more importantly that in these weeks together I've just been your pastor, just to talk to you about some stuff in your life that will help you tremendously. And there are things that you can look back on life and say, you know what, I wish I would have dealt with this earlier, I wish I would have gotten past this before, and you're still struggling with it. But what I want you to know is that tonight can be the night that you say, you know what, I'm not going to live in my past. I'm setting a mark right now with confidence that I'm going forward in my future. Maybe this habit has never been licked in my life. Maybe this issue has never been overcome. But that doesn't mean it never will be. Amen? It means that I'm going forward in faith with confidence in Jesus Christ. Use your weapons and hold on to confidence in the supreme overcomer who is at work in your life. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We're grateful this evening for the opportunity we've had to study your word. I pray you'll take this message. And I pray that especially in, in those of us who've had those moments in life where we feel like we've just been defeated over and over again, I pray that this will be the turnaround point for us. I pray that tonight we'll begin to realize that we can have confidence going forward for you conquering things that perhaps have not yet been conquered for us. Help us to engage our spiritual weapons as we need to, Lord. And I pray that in Jesus' name that we would begin to see true breakthroughs, the demolishing of strongholds in our life for your glory and for your honor. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, 
I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.